0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hi, I'm Brianna Seely, producer for Offscript Health. Welcome to Vax On. Before we get started today, I'd like to tell our listeners about another show in the Offscript Health podcast network, Dabble Co. DabbleCo's mission is to empower women with accurate information provided by actual experts. In each episode, host Claire O'Brien, nurse practitioner and co-founder of The Skin Click, breaks down trending topics in health, wellness, and beauty to challenge what's trending versus what's true. Check out the three-part Roe v. Wade series featuring an OBGYN, pastor, and mother's thoughts on the highly debated topic. For more information, visit offscript.com shows. The link will be in our show notes. Enjoy the show.
0: Are we all right? We're good. I'm good. Are yes, you good? We're good. I'm, I'm hanging in there.
1: All right. I love hanging.
0: I just hit record so people are going to hear whatever the hell we're talking about right now.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it's facts on time, so I'm psyched to be here virtually.
0: Virtually this year, this time. What day is it? I have no idea. It's
1: Tuesday. No, and I know because I had the best day the last two days.
0: Well, can you lay claim to know that you're going on vacation in two days like I am today?
1: I cannot lay that claim Then I'm all.
0: having a better week than you.
1: But I just got back from being
0: away for two days. Okay. So I'm still having a better week than you because you probably wish you were still on vacation.
1: No, I wasn't on vacation. I was at my son's college orientation in Baltimore and it was so fun.
0: Wow. I know. That's a step up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know. It's crazy. But I ate crab cakes and took in the sea breeze and enjoyed the beautiful campus, and it was really fun.
0: Did it hearken back to your days of visiting all the colleges? You went to Wesleyan, but like how many colleges did you go visit?
1: I visited a few. It hearkened. It hearkened. But, you know, I visited just a small handful of colleges. But if we're being honest, my parents had absolutely no idea what we were doing because my parents didn't go away to college. So like it was they just had no idea. And um, this is like very different because, you know, I can navigate what's happening because I've been through it and it hasn't really changed meaningfully other than you know, that everything is online. And and let me just say this, Matt, I know your kids aren't yet college age. Do you want to go ahead and guess what the number one most daunting part of the college application and uh, start is? Go ahead and guess, like what is the most daunting part of it?
0: The meal plan. Not so. The dorm selection.
1: The most confusing the horrible, gender box scary no no by the way the gender box is not a box there are like 15 choices i'm oh, not right. even kidding
0: welcome to no, 2022
1: yeah it is the fucking portals these schools have like 19,000 portals and all of them have these like different names and each of them has a different login and so you—it's not like you have to just remember your login and your password. You have to remember the existence of like ninety-five different portals. Mm-hmm. I cannot even begin to. That sounds like a pharma
0: company's website when you're applying for a grant.
1: Yes, probably because it's like there's the parent portal, then there's the dining portal. Don't forget the activity portal, and then there's the student portal and the application portal. The financial aid has its own portal, and then of course the, your accounting is a totally different portal. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it's it's so a there's lot.
0: like a literacy requisite for parents trying to navigate this crap.
1: I think after being in a room full of several hundred of the incoming freshman parents, I think that what parents are doing is we're just nodding and pretending that we're going to do this and that none of us are going to do it until we get multiple emails being like, pay your bill, pay your bill, pay your bill. I mean. I- No one could possibly keep up with this amount of
0: portals. Well, I'm still having a better week than you because even though I'm not going to the Caribbean, which is our first segment, I am going to visit my parents in South Carolina for a week with the kids. And we are so excited to go. But speaking of my segue there. I I I
1: I noticed I noticed that very
0: sly segue. I did a great segue (laughs) right there. I'm the segue king right now. You like slid right into it. I'm patting my segue self on the back. (laughs)
1: So you're traveling.
0: But I'm not going to the Caribbean where apparently the CDC, we have the CDC, the government to thank for what?
1: So the CDC decided that um, the Dominican Republic, which is, you know, my happy place, is now up to a high level of risk for travel, you know, based on the COVID statistics. You know, that's not good. It was upgraded from moderate risk and now it's high risk. And just to give a little perspective to our listeners, So we have areas of low risk like Cuba, Egypt, India, Jordan, Malawi. But get this, also Haiti, which is right next to the Dominican Republic.
0: It is a nice like vertical line straight separating the countries, though. There is, but it's like right the fuck there. (laughs) and and There's got to be some bleed between the two of them. Like, I don't understand
1: that on any level. And then there's high risk, the places that you're like, I guess, not supposed to go. France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, like all the, you know, travel countries, <laughs> the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, England, Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, Malaysia, Mexico, South Korea, Thailand, and Turkey. But let me just say this, Matt. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, no, I, you know, when I'm bored, I love to just plan vacations, even if I don't know when I'm taking them. Sure. And um, that's just like what I do. It relaxes me. And, um, it's like, I put it, I put vacations like in my shopping cart for later. (laughs) And I was like, Oh shit. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, Oh shit. Like all these countries are high risk. But then I Googled is the United States high risk. And it turns out the United States
0: is also high risk. Are we the number one? We have to be the best at something. Can we be number (laughs) one high risk?
1: Right, right. So so here's the thing. If we're already high risk, what's the damn difference? I right. might as well just go to a different country and be high risk with different scenery because who cares if I'm traveling there, if it's not better where I am.
0: I'm surprised that Canada is not on this list because similar to Haiti and no, the DR, Canada is on the uh, yeah, list.
1: Yeah, Canada is there too. High risk. I don't see it. It's there. Oh, United my, uh, Kingdom, Brazil, Canada.
0: Trudeau. Okay.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing. And here's what I have to add. Like, this is how you know that the CDC people are not lawyers because if they were lawyers writing this, inherent in the concept of a travel risk would be safety relative to where you currently are. In other words, if it's the same as where you currently are, that's not really a risk. That's just the same.
0: It's only a risk if it's worse. (laughs) (laughs) You and your lawyer logic. I mean, is it me? Like, am I being like too picky about this? No, I just think that, it, it is quite exemplary of your legal stature that you would observe it from this perspective.
1: I mean, that, that's sort of like saying it's hot when you go outside and it's the same temperature outside as it is inside your house. Like, yeah. if it's the same as what you're already doing, how is that a risk? What it should be is, like, places that it would be really safe to go. Cuba, which, okay.
0: <laughs> it's like this slightly less nuclear fallout over there.
1: I mean, Malawi, which... Okay, like less COVID, more getting trampled by rhinoceri. (laughs) It's
0: a better problem to have.
1: I mean, I suppose, yes. So I don't know. It just sort of, the whole thing just sort of cracked me up because I'm like, why are you even telling me this information? There's nothing that I should really do about it. And we're already in the worst possible shape. So so
0: in your observational travelocity therapy planning, is the condition (laughs) still the same where the resorts will cover your stay if you're positive before you want to leave?
1: I do not think so. So when last I was in the Caribbean, which was not that long ago, they had stopped that whole program. In fact, they also stopped paying for your COVID test. You had to, um, let's see, I was in the Dominican Republic in April and they had stopped paying for your COVID test. You had to pay out of pocket. It wasn't a lot, but you had to pay for it. And they made it like relatively easier for you if you tested positive for COVID, but they no longer just put you up for free, which had been the case prior to
0: that. Right. So what would have happened if you were positive? Would they have just like you've been stuck like on a, on a beach in a corner somewhere in the DR? <laughs> You're going to get home? No, I mean, I think they would
1: put you in like their quarantine housing. Like they had special like a wing of the resort for okay. quarantine, but you but you had to pay for it. It was like a low amount, but you had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget, though, they changed the rules in the United States about coming back into the country. You no longer have to show a negative covid test. So what's going to happen is people are just going to come back with covid.
0: That's fantastic. Don't you think? It's just fantastic. It's like rain on your wedding. It's It's a free ride when you're already paid. Yeah.
1: It's just like whatever. Like we're going to have it now and we're just going to get on the plane. I mean, who would have thought it figured? (laughs) Isn't that ironic?
0: Yeah. Good old days. But this also goes back to the entire conversation of like deaths are really low. We're anti-death, but deaths are pretty low you know, hospitalizations are down, it's, it's largely the unvaccinated is still going in there, the hospitals are not at the capacity they were, we're still waiting for the zombie version to come out at some point now. But for now, it seems like we're at a, a decent stasis. Is that fair?
1: I, I think it might be because, you know, it, it's important to note that when we're talking about these, these risk levels that the CDC is labeling, high risk um, means more than 100 cases per 100,000 residents. Um, and 100 cases per 100,000 residents. So that's what, uh, help me with the math here. That's one in a 1,000, right? Math. Yeah. You that's my answer, Cross math. off two of the zeros, and you get one in a 1,000. The cosine
0: so, of negative one <laughs> times the square root of the root of something.
1: So, <laughs> so I think, are we? can we talk a about squared standard plus deviation? B
0: squared equals C squared.
1: Do not even start on the Pythagorean theorem.
0: <laughs> Avogadro's um, number is my jam.
1: <laughs> you just busted out with Avogadro. Yep. Um, He's I, I feel he was like a good man. He was a good man. He apparently, um, you know, I I don't know one in a thousand while not ideal because that's not that low. I mean, it's still fairly low. So I don't know if you told me that one in a thousand people had some other thing, I feel like I'd be like, ah, all right, I'll take my chances. (laughs) I don't know if that's reasonable, but I know that that's sort of how I'd feel.
0: Well, it kind of goes back to this other segment, which we're going into now with a very terrible segue. Which is the world? You can't go
1: into it. Hold on, you can't go into it until I pick up my paper that fell down. All
0: right, I will preempt the uh, picking up of the paper by announcing to the listeners that the World Health Organization says Ah. that the more times a person gets COVID, the more likely they are to be unlucky (laughs) and get long haul COVID. Really, really, is not
1: getting COVID more than one time already unlucky?
0: Yeah, it's like the erosion of the Grand Canyon. It just gets deeper and deeper.
1: I would like to just to just make a blanket statement. I, w- I would very much like the World Health Organization and all health organizations to refrain from the use of terms like unlucky. <laughs> that is the least fucking scientific term I have ever heard. And like, really, they should not say shit like that.
0: Yeah. Like clearly, uh, just like the uh, the CDC doesn't have lawyers writing their stuff. The who doesn't have actual copywriters writing their stuff.
1: No, I mean because that's not a. That's just really not a way to put it. honestly.
0: No. Although <laughs> but, the so, idea of getting keep getting bombarded and bombarded with COVID, yeah, I would imagine something's going to start eroding away in your body.
1: I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean that that sort of makes sense. It's kind of like like a boxing does match, there, right? Is there like a cumulative COVID effect? Body
0: blow, body blow,
1: uppercut, Although, uppercut. You know, you you know that's like sort of interesting though, right? Because. I've never heard any talk about the cumulative effect of other recurring viruses. So, right, like I've never heard of anybody saying, like, well, if you've gotten the flu a number of times in your life, then then anything. Have you? I've never heard of that before.
0: No, I got, I've got, i gotten the flu more than once in a season. It didn't like uh, decompose me. It's, <laughs> right. it's a right. long, I mean, same long flu.
1: Right, like, you know, sinus infections or what, whatever, like you get. It's like, I don't know, you could always get things a bunch of times and it never seems like i i don't know i don't know i mean maybe there are some viruses that each time you get it it gets worse um so i mean i guess that could make sense i, don't, I guess i don't know enough
0: about all of the different viruses to know how that compares to uh, other things and further reinforcing how the who has no copywriters on staff their next comment <laughs> <laughs> getting covid multiple times can certainly knock people off their stride for several months That's such a specific piece of information. Yes. What
1: does that mean? Instead of 22-inch steps, it's like 18-inch steps? I I, I
0: don't know. My shoe size shrunk. What happened?
1: Who talks? Like, I don't. Okay.
0: Now, (laughs) long-haul COVID is real. And we discussed this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I have attended two conventions where long-haul COVID, the long-hauler conversation, was brought up. There's really no longitudinal research enough to understand what this is. And it seems like the late effects, kind of like cancer survivorship outcomes, like you get burst with chemo and death, and then you have to figure out how your body rebuilds. But everyone's reaction to having long COVID is vastly different. So you're kind of like shooting in the dark to figure out where to even start collecting data.
1: Yeah, that's that makes me uh, very sort of sad and uncomfortable. And I have to tell you that uh, that that uncertainty for what having a virus would mean in the long term is precisely what made me so adamant about getting vaccinated as soon as I was able to get vaccinated. Because even though many people were out there saying, well, it's just a virus and you're not going to die and it's like the flu. The thing that always made me so nervous was that I don't know what it's going to mean 20 years from now or five years from now in the same way that I didn't know when I got chicken pox that it meant that I could get shingles one day.
0: Right. Something and, and they the, probably should have told you back then.
1: You think? Well, I mean, I guess it wasn't really an option to not get chicken pox, right? As we've, as we've discussed, you gave it to me. I so. did give
0: it to you. You're welcome. 30,000 years ago. But yeah, but today there's a vaccine for chicken pox, so you just right, don't today get it either. anymore.
1: Absolutely. You and you still feel get like... shingles
0: somehow. I don't know why. Who? Me? No, people can what? still get shingles, I believe, even if they've been inoculated against chicken pox. They can? I'm making that up based on I no scientific evidence.
1: I think you're making it up. I think you can't get shingles if you've never had chickenpox.
0: Fact check right now. Can you get shingles after you've been vaccinated for chickenpox? So while the shingles vaccine is highly effective, some people can still get shingles. This is from Cleveland Clinic, so it's real. I stand huh. my case.
1: So maybe does it,
0: uh, hopefully it at least lowers the chances of you getting shingles. I would assume it's kind of like the COVID vaccine or vaccines in general, where you could kind of still get it, but it'll be, a whole lot less terrible.
1: I mean, that sounds good. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take, you know, either I don't get it for, for 100 or I'll get it, but it won't be a big deal
0: for 200. Right. But this also wraps up the segment by because like the boosters are still there. They We know they work. I was planning on getting my second booster after the summer because I'm fairly sure my antibodies were off. And I have a lot of friends and colleagues that are getting COVID again, despite mm-hmm. them being boosted. And it's still kind of a crapshoot here in New York. Half the masks are off. Half the masks are on. It's a massively crowded place. The city's back. It's crazy crowded. Good problems to have. But at the same time, cooties and COVID are still there. Although if you're boosted, again, it should technically be a whole lot less worse, hopefully. I would like a cootie booster, please. We need cootie boosters all day, every day. Anyway, we we have kids. That's the name of this episode, the cootie booster. The cootie booster episode (laughs) of (laughs) Vaxxon. That sounds weirdly salacious. (laughs) It does, but I like it. All right. This episode is sponsored by the Cootie Booster, and we'll be right back after these ads from (laughs) CootieBooster.com. (laughs) Ah.
1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, Matt, can we talk about health insurance for a little bit?
0: Oh, my favorite subject. (laughs) Let me lube up.
1: (laughs) No, I sort of love when this happens, right? So, you know how insurance like always pisses everybody off it doesn't even matter what kind of insurance it is it's just like you know insurance is like universally hated right yeah
0: it's like so it's, it's almost it actually is worse than calling your credit card company
1: it it is and i actually called my insurance company just today as a matter of fact um and, and it was a mind-numbingly
0: confusing conversation sure as they should be
1: <laughs> yeah because i was like can my kid go to the college health center And will you cover that since it's out of state? And they were and like the answer is clearly yes or no. And they were just like, well, it depends and this and that. And I was like, oh, you're no help.
0: Wait, did you go full lawyer on them like lawyer beast mode and demand an answer?
1: No, you know what? I didn't. I actually what I like to do is I like to pretend that I'm like a mild mattered mom (laughs) and just like try to lead them to saying the information that I want the answer to be. (laughs) I've been very much in that mode today. I also took my daughter to the orthopedist because she hurt her finger. And I literally went in and I said, hi, we're here for you to tell us that it's totally fine that she hurt her finger and that she's not going to be out of the swim season for the rest of the season.
0: My goodness.
1: <laughs> they were like, yes, that's what we're going to tell you. I like to like sort of like a mom Jedi mind trick. Um, that's but like a I Dale lo-
0: Carnegie Jedi trick indeed. <laughs>
1: yes, totally. Uh, but no, this I love because because just when you're ready and poised to hate insurance companies, Um, there's always that little thing that happens, which is you forget that the federal government can just tell them what to do. So remember back in January, the Biden administration announced that health insurers have to pay for those COVID tests and you had to be able to get eight every month?
0: I have a drawer full of them.
1: But I've talked to people who said that like they tried to get them in various pharmacies and it was really difficult or it had to be a certain brand or they had to like go through all kinds of hoops to get it. And for me, I just like walked in, they handed them to me. So um, it seems like it varies a lot from insurer to insurer. And then of course, there's also people that didn't have health insurance. And, you know, of course there is the question like, why couldn't the freaking federal government just send out more of them? But, But either way, it seems like this whole insurance companies have to pay for it has been less um seamless than
0: than we had hoped. I mean it seems confusing just out of the gate that why would they choose to go through insurance companies that it's like a natural like anti beta blocker it just clogs the, the clot in the artery forms when you try to go through the insurance companies.
1: Yeah, it's just like a lot to handle and like you know we were looking at this uh this this healthcare journalist Audrey Dutton she no relation to the Yellowstone Duttons by the way. Um <laughs> Episode not sponsored by Netflix, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you. So th- so this this journalist, she filed a claim for an at-home COVID testing kit. She filed it in March. She did not get paid until June 14th. She actually got paid more than the claim was for because she got paid 50 cents in interest. But I'll tell you what was weird in my own experience. We have like one of those drive-up COVID testing places near me. And you can choose to get like a an, a rapid test or a drive up PCR test or even a rapid PCR for like $5 zillion So when I did that, you know, sometimes I just didn't feel like waiting and I got like a two hour PCR test and it was like $300 and I was able to just send it to my insurance company and just get reimbursed, which was really nice. But if I'm being pragmatic, that doesn't really seem that efficient. Right. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's bad for insurance companies to cover things because, of course, it's great when they cover things. But I just feel like as I did it, I was really wondering, like, hmm, if everybody did this, <laughs> it'd be pretty damn expensive. <laughs> Luckily, not everybody's doing this. I don't know. So it seems like it's sort of a shit show, this whole idea of the uh the insurance company's paying for the test.
0: I mean, but again, like it just makes no sense to me in general because you can ship family households these kits all day. We don't know if they're going to use them or not. There's no way to know unless they're coded. And when you take them, somehow it beams at the space because they're like home pregnancy tests. You don't know that the ones right, you're you shipping to families are being used or not.
1: I guess, I mean, I guess it's kind of an inherent problem because you want it to be really accessible and you want it to be that people don't have to go to a doctor or something to take these tests. And at the same time, you know, there's going to be waste. But I mean, my understanding, and and maybe I'm wrong about this, but my understanding is that, look, the cost involved in making COVID tests isn't so much about the manufacturing process of the test, but it's about the shipping and the marketing and the packaging and the supply chain and like all that stuff. So if that's the case, you know, kind of like the the cost of the pizza is not representing the cost of the ingredients. It's representing the cost of running a pizzeria because that's really what's expensive. Right. So, right? Like, it's not the pizza. They could give away a million pizzas. It's like running the pizzeria that costs a lot.
0: Right. But I mean, splitting the bill between the families that are going to test every kid every day and themselves versus the families that just throw them in the garbage when they show up. We're still going to be in the same position we were as a country where half the people do this and half the people do that. And it kind of sort of hopefully nets out it's all about the trends of. What do you think that the
1: non-testers are doing with the tests?
0: Um, box forts.
1: <laughs> like, do you, you know, like you have those people who say, like, it doesn't pay. I'm not going to get tested because it doesn't matter. I've heard that so often. People say, what does it matter? And I'm like, well, because then you'll know that you have a contagious illness and maybe you'll stay the fuck inside. Um, that seems not to be that persuasive to many of these people.
0: I agree, but it also airing on the side of caution. If you're showing symptoms, you should test yourself. But if you feel fine, why would you test yourself?
1: If you're neurotic,
0: yeah, which there you I'm go. not, which
1: I sometimes am. Matt, are you pointing the finger at me? Sometimes I just want to know.
0: Have you met my wife too? Hi, Jess. She doesn't listen. This I,
1: I can manifest the symptom right now.
0: <laughs> just invent your morbidities on the spot. I, I
1: here's the thing. I always feel kind of like shit. So like. That's a symptom, right?
0: You need like an allure test.
1: Like I'm always tired. A whole you know, nanos if you hit test. Any, any day at four in the afternoon, I'm always with like some malaise, right? some flu-like symptoms. If I drink a glass of wine, I immediately can't breathe. Like it's, right. is it COVID or is it just my life? Who knows?
0: <laughs> well, we're going to come to the end of the episode in a couple of minutes, but we can't I'm not sad. talk about oh. fucking Roe v. Wade.
1: Oh, are we talking about that? We, yeah, that's how can we one. not?
0: It's 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 Tuesday. The shit happened last week. Everyone's going batshit crazy job. for the right reasons about it. Like I, I, I don't even know what to think about. I want to punch kittens. And I know.
1: Well, don't punch kittens. Punch I, uh, Clarence Savas.
0: <laughs> that guy. I swear to God. I, you know, we. I, I'm I'm one of those people that like just recites talking points because I I I want to figure out how do I formulate my own opinion without saying what someone else says, but. Right you know, I'm aware of confirmation bias. I'm terrified to say the wrong thing because we live in this crazy society. But at the end of the day, it it just, I, I have no words for how angry I am about this. And it really comes down to the fact that, you know, I have a daughter, she's 12, but we're in New York and we have sanctuary here. And it's very different when you're not in these states. And I understand fighting for the rights of people to have religious freedom and to practice whatever the hell they want. God bless you literally for doing that. What I don't understand, and I never will understand, despite any level of over intellectualizing this stuff, is how is it allowed that church and state don't matter?
1: Well, I mean, look, in, in this particular situation, um, when it comes to Dobbs, you know, the case that overruled Roe. You know, it was not overtly about religion. Now, of course, there's a backstory that very much about religion, but it's not like the Supreme Court said one word about religion. Um, It was not a religious freedom case. In fact, really, you know, in my mind, what this grew out of was a willingness uh, on the part of many Americans to accept um, a ruling that they loved the outcome and didn't care about the reasoning. Mm. So... You know, in the 1970s, we got Roe versus Wade and, and abortion as healthcare, and it was good for women, and it was good for a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, apart from understanding that it meant that abortion could be legal, people just didn't even care why it was legal. And and very few people that aren't lawyers were ever even talking about what the legal basis for it was. And the same thing happened again in 2015 with the gay marriage case, Obergefell. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but but... Again, we loved the outcome because it said that states could not outlaw gay marriage, but people didn't even pay attention to why. And what ended up happening was we have this equal protection due process. Like we have these complex legal rules underlying some of this stuff and Supreme court justices who are in charge of this shit don't like the academic legal framework that underlies the decision. So what, what you have is not so much justice is saying we hate abortion and that's why we're overruling Roe versus Wade. I mean, of course, they, many of them do hate abortion, but that's not the reasoning. They're coming up with like, well, this is not the right clause and that's not really what it says. And we don't really like the other decision. And it's it's very confusing and it's very messy. And for non-lawyers, they're just kind of sh- cutting to the chase and going to the end point and saying, oh, well, they said we don't have it anymore. And I think that um, it's those nuances that are important for people to pay attention to so that they understand the way our government works. Because you know, lots of people I know could have predicted this for a long time, and it's why we don't want certain kinds of judges, and it's why we don't want certain kinds of leaders. But it's kind of like not sexy to talk about equal protection and due process. It's much sexier to talk about this person is a bigot and that person is pro-life. You know, So I, I feel like this is very much a "reap what you sow" kind of moment in legal history. And
0: so, so wait, so so thank you for lawyering that to me, or lawyer explaining that to me. I think I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. Does it really come down to something as simple as if it's not written into the Constitution right now in ink, it's not a right?
1: Um, I think that's probably overgeneralizing it, but I would I would make a little tweak to that, and I would say if it's not written in the Constitution right now, it's not safe. You know, so I'm not saying it's definitely not a right. I'm just saying it might be up for debate. And at the end of the day, the lesson to take away from all of this, especially for women, is if you are not seated at the table, you are on the menu. That's it. So get out there and vote. Learn what your state legislators are doing because they should be representing what you think. And take a minute to actually read some analysis and And if it's a little tough, get someone to explain it to you or find a good journalist or find a good book to read, because m- much of this and much of the frustration out there is born of people kind of taking the simple road out for a long time and not really understanding how our government works. Not to blame it on, you know, voters but but vote because the this is a perfect example. Most Americans believe that abortion should be legal, at least in some circumstances. safe abortion, yes. Most people believe that. Whether or not you even believe it, most people agree. And anything that most people believe and agree should probably be reflected in law. So it's an anomaly to have a situation that the law is somehow different than what the majority thinks it should be. Right. And that comes from not voting and not getting involved and not knowing
0: what's going on. So – (laughs) <laughs> soapbox. Soapbox. Done. That's the soapbox. But you're right. You reap what you sow. And if you don't vote and you do third party and you have to fight the fights so you can win. And I mean, I look at what we did with the Affordable Care Act with all the nonprofits in the day. There were there were hundreds of us that, that fought on the hill to get this done the right way. It, it was as imperfect as possible but it mm-hmm. worked for many people and, and the, the ones that benefited with it were the next gens, the millennials benefited the most from this for the coverage under 26. Sure. And that was the best part of this. And, but it was only because <laughs> we elected Obama that yeah. that happened. It would never have happened if, who is it, Romney? If Romney won? Right, right. And, and let's also say this,
1: you know, look, uh, off script. we are a healthcare advocacy company, right? So probably the most important takeaway from all of this, is that no matter what your health situation is, no matter what healthcare you are receiving or providing, speak up about it. Because if more women had spoken up about the need for abortion as healthcare, I bet we'd be in a different situation.
0: Right. I agree. And,
1: and speaking up about your own experience, whatever it may be, is. The most important thing you could do as a as a person, as a patient, as a member of society. So whatever your perspective is, it's born of your own experiences. So speak up about those experiences.
0: Right. Sorry, I uh, said I
1: was putting the soapbox away.
0: No, it's it's the selectivism. It's the. I mean, like, yeah, protesting is great, but voting matters. Again, it goes back to one of my favorite uh, Obama quotes, which is, he's at this rally and they boo him, and he says, "Don't boo, vote." There you go.
1: That's right, and 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 vote and freaking talk to people around you. Talk to the people in your lives. Ultimately, that's likely far more meaningful than holding a sign and and getting news coverage and being in front of a, the Capitol building. I mean, that's good too, but but you know, that's in some ways easier than engaging in conversation with your peers.
0: Right, outrage so doesn't talk- vote.
1: Right, outrage doesn't vote, but but. Sharing experiences influences people. Your words matter. Your voice matters. Your experience matters. So talk about it to the people that are listening and care about you.
0: Yeah. I think we could still be outraged, rageful, and maybe not kittens, but punching something you wouldn't normally punch. Please don't you're punch that any kittens. No.
1: Matt, don't punch kittens. <sighs>
0: <laughs> Just, I mean, I also feel like, and we want to wrap in a second, but like, where's the male voices in this country rallying for women? It's all the women. And I want to see more men. Anyone listening to this show? to my show, to any of our shows, you're a man. Stand up for women. Be there. Be that voice that is just so missing in this narrative. That's such an
1: important point.
0: Um, and I'll tell you something that I
1: have always said in in my speeches and in my educational sessions is men make the absolute best feminists. Um, they have what, nothing what, to lose why, thank and you. everything to gain. No, <laughs> really, really. I mean, good men make the best feminists. And um, – And, you know, women's rights is not a men versus women problem. It it just isn't. Mm -mm. And that should never be the message because we're all in this together, you know, and and we need we need men to be loud voices. The men that I know who have loud voices to me are very, very compelling on women's rights issues. Um, It's because, you know, it's like the, the the majority or. The unmarginalized are the ones that often have the pulpit to speak the loudest. So so absolutely. If you're a man, get out there, say what you think, say why you think it. Um, and and remember that your voice matters. It's a women's issue, but it's not only a women's issue. It's
0: a human issue.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, on that note, I think we're done for today. I think, yeah. Thank you for being with me, one of my favorite humans. What note is it? What uh, is that note?
1: <laughs> it's A440. <laughs> <laughs> That's the note. <laughs> All that right. is definitely not it for
0: Well, when this <laughs> airs on Thursday, I will be away on vacation. You will be recovering oh, wow. from your, uh, your child's college
1: portals. From being very old. <laughs> I will be recovering from being
0: extremely old and broke. <laughs> so uh, enjoy the show. We'll see you back here next week, folks.
1: Take care, Matt. See you soon. <laughs> Bye, everybody.
0: That's all for now. If you like VaxOn, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might
1: just use it in a future show. VaxOn is a product of Script Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seeley. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.